What's happening, far, far away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? We hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing much new out here on the Outer Rim. Tatooine has a new sheriff in Boba Fett, and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has got a complete makeover because one fan thought that the pacing was all wrong for the series. So he made it into a two and a half hour movie, which has brought him some social media fame. We all know that the Kenobi series ran for six episodes on Disney+, but for many fans and critics, it was simply too long. While we were happy to see Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi, not every Star Wars fan agreed on the pacing of the story, or the plot that sent Obi-Wan on a journey to save young Leia from Reva. So one Star Wars fan, Kai Patterson, has gone viral on social media for editing the series into a single movie. In an interview with Patterson, he said the show suffered from things that could be easily fixed. So his decision to create the fan edit was made to fix the awkward pacing and a bunch of scenes that ultimately amounted to nothing, goofy dialogue or directing choices that made little to no sense. So he decided to take matters into his own hands. But he wants to be very clear, this is his own artistic interpretation to make something that worked better for him personally. Patterson is not selling his version to make money and he encourages anyone who watches the fan film edit to go and get a Disney Plus account and watch the original. He does support all the original artists Patterson's video on TikTok announcing the fan edit and it has earned him 1.5 million views and counting. His decision to create the fan film was to bring the project back to its origin. The show was originally conceived as a feature film and Lucasfilms intended to create a full movie. But as we all know that never happened because the movie was killed after the box office failure of Solo and the creative team at Lucasfilm started making series for Disney+. All six episodes of the series are now streaming on Disney, but if you would like to see Patterson's movie, I will put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, what else do we got for news this week? An article that was just released on Saturday got me thinking, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the subject because it pertains to the direction of Star Wars as a franchise. The article was Star Wars needs to focus on the Old Republic. For better or worse, the Star Wars universe is going through an awkward phase at the moment. The Phantom is still on the fence regarding the latest movie trilogy, and Disney seems to be avoiding it like the play. As a franchise, Star Wars has always relied too much on the success of the first three films. In fact, most of the Star Wars media we're getting today still has ties to the characters from the original trilogy. With that being said, there's only so many times that you can present these characters before they start to feel a bit stale. From a marketing point of view, it makes sense to use the most beloved characters from the franchise but the fans can become fatigued to overexposure to the same material, something that's been happening a lot to the Star Wars fans in recent years. I think that most of the issues in the Star Wars universe stem from the decision made by Disney back when they acquired the franchise, was to get rid of the expanded universe, also known as Star Wars Legend. Even though they keep bringing the characters into the timeline, some of the most iconic characters for fans come from the expanded universe. However, the biggest loss to this decision was some great characters. The Old Republic was set thousands of years before the events in A New Hope and was a period of intense conflict that saw some impressive confrontations between Force users, some of them giving structure to the modern Republic. During this time, the Jedi and Sith were at the top of their game. The light side of the Force was rocked by Jedi Civil War, a conflict that saw Jedi Knight Revan become one of the most fearsome Sith Lord galaxy has ever seen. These epic conflicts, their iconic characters, and the complex storylines were all swept under the rug by Disney, and they are now trying to push their own version of Star Wars The High Republic line. There's also the fact that The Mandalorian has proved to be a massive success. People would most likely want to know more about Mandalore, which is something that the Old Republic delivers. One thing that has always been different from Star Wars and say Star Trek is the focus on open conflict. 
It's right there in the name, wars, Star Wars, are inseparable by design. Considering how important armed conflict is in Star Wars myth, it is a miracle that there hasn't been at least two trilogies worth of material from the Old Republic, as we mentioned earlier. This is a period that is marked by civil war of all kinds. Between the Mandalorians, the Jedi, and the Sith, all we are missing is a Wookiee war at this point, and we would have seen every type of a war imaginable in the Old Republic. This all translates into some seriously untapped potential for Star Wars films. For a franchise that depends on its past, Disney seems insecure about some of the best parts. I think fans would appreciate if Disney suddenly decided to use the expanded universe. Not to mention if they got to see some of their favorite characters in live action. Because I would love to see Baby Revan in live action or a movie. It's not easy to introduce new characters and themes into Star Wars universe which only makes the Old Republic sound all more impressive. This is a time where Star Wars experimented with a deeper narrative and concepts, delivering some of the most fascinating characters in a long-running history, heroes and villains for the ages. Most Star Wars fans' knowledge of the Old Republic era comes from video games. Characters like Kriya, Revan, and Darth Nihilus, just to name a few, have become household names for the fans of these games and the entire franchise. Many of these characters could easily translate well into a live-action realm, particularly Kreia, who is one of the most fascinating Force users in the series. Not to mention that Revan is one of the greatest villains in Star Wars lore, a perfect fit for a kind of movie that Star Wars have been trying to tell since the prequels. This is precisely the kind of content they're lacking in the sequel trilogy, characters that present the conflict from both sides. Even though Star Wars has always been about painting the Force as black and white, the Old Republic introduces some of the most interesting great characters in the franchise, ones that I think definitely resonate with today's audience. Who knows, maybe the Old Republic and the expanded universe isn't gone as we once thought. After all, if the prequels taught us anything, it's that no one ever really is gone. So send me an email at sway.audio at gmail.com and tell me your thoughts on the Old Republic. Would you like to see some Old Republic characters in live action or a movie? Okay, enough with all that. We got a story to get to. Because when we left off last week, Anakin and Padme were living it up on their date as the rest of the galaxy was at war. So let's see what's happening now. But first, we got to drop that intro. What will you have? You are now tuned in to Caucus Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Obi-Wan Kenobi. All the knowledge in the known galaxy lived in the Jedi archives. So researching Kato Naimudia should have been easy. But even though Obi-Wan sifted through details like topography, climate, planetary rotation, government structure, and cultural tendencies, none of that seemed to really provide any particular insight as to how he might convince the Trade Federation to accept a Jedi instead of Palpatine. Tutorials on speaking Pac-Pac, Republic-generated simulations using data obtained via clone intelligence, and a complete history of the Trade Federation were all part of his hours of study, yet he didn't feel any closer to actually discovering the insight that might break through prejudices on both sides. Methodically sifting through data would do as much good as sitting there worrying about Anakin. Instead, Obi-Wan tried a different tactic. A simple question that he'd relied on from time to time over the past decade, and perhaps not enough. How would Qui-Gon Jinn approach the Cato Neimoria situation. 
That led to him moving swiftly to the archive exit, Jocasta knew barely acknowledging him, though her assistant, Noxie Kell, who had had an answer for every single question he'd presented, did offer a nod and a wave on his way out. A short time later, he arrived under the lit buildings of Coruscant's evening at the Coco District, heading straight toward an establishment that he'd last visited during a seemingly much more innocent time. Don't you Jedi sleep? Dexter Jetster's voice rang out from behind the counter even before Obi-Wan fully stepped into the empty diner. Only a waitress droid rolling around to wipe the counters. Not when there's a war going on. Obi-Wan's boots squeaked on the still damp tiled floor. A war you started, by the way. The kitchen's double doors flew open as Dex squeezed through. Blotches of sauce and grease stains in a shirt as his upper left hand draped a towel over his shoulder. Dex glanced around the space, then behind him. I hate to break it to you, but those clones were already there. Whether or not you went to Camino. No customers, huh? No, which is good, because I need you to be discreet. A dart that looks like a children's toy is one thing. Obi-Wan held up a data pad and a hollow projector. This requires more care. Discreet! Dex laughed. <laughs> I was the biggest information broker across the core worlds for years. You think I don't know how to be discreet? Not you, Obi-Wan said, going to the bar stool where Dex pointed. Dex settled in across from it, leaning with his top elbows planted while his bottom two hung loose. They don't teach black market precautions at the Jedi Temple. Admit it, Obi-Wan. You just wanted to make an old man cook one more dish for the night. Obi-Wan sat down, adjusting his cloak so it didn't catch. You caught me. Your food is always better than the Temple refectories. Though don't tell Master Yoda I said that. You're in luck. He whistled. Played it for two. He called to the back. Several clans later, one of the waitress droids rolled through the double door as it played balanced on her head. Good timing. I'm just having my closing time dinner. One for the Jedi, one for you, boss, the droid said, the words laced with sass. Thanks, Wanda. Dinner was a relative term as it looked like Dex's staff simply dumped the day's leftover cake onto plates. The bulk of the six six-layer cake slices went on Dex's plate, though Wanda did put a single piece on Obi-Wan's plate. Warmed them up for you, sweetie, the droid said before rolling off. Dessert for dinner? Obi-Wan asked with a laugh. <laughs> That'll kill you. Heavy proteins for midday dinner. Heavy sugars for closing time dinner. You're telling me you don't know basic basilisk physiology? Dex asked, wiping a dab of white cream from the side of his mouth. Sounds like an excuse to eat leftover cake. Or perhaps it's that. <laughs> Dex said, soon followed by his low-throaty laugh. The boss does this every night. Wanda chirped in from the back. 
says it's better than letting the cake expire. The sound logic of an efficient businessman. By now, Dex had eaten two of the six pieces on his plate. Obi-Wan decided to be a little more restrained, taking a single bite off the top layer of orange-colored shavings. So, what can I do for you? Dex asked between bites. Need me to find more clones? Not unless you're looking to add to your waitstaff here. Obi-Wan tapped the hollow projector and outburst a hologram showing the simulated bombing from the library terminal. What can you tell me about Kato Neimoidia? You're supposed to pay me first before I say anything. I know I've been out of the game for a long time, but that's how I remember information trading works. Yeah. Obi-Wan used two forks to lift the thick bottom layer of his six-six cake and put it on Dex's plate. Your payment. Ah, you know how to bribe a man. Okay, Cato Neimoidi. Dex took in a large breath, flickering lights above causing flashes over the large brown ridge over the center of his skull. Mm, a lot of fog. Trees with glowing oil. Funny-looking mountains, and cities that hang in between them. One less city. He pointed to the holographic explosion on the loop. If the holonet is accurate. Not quite a full city, but yes, it is. And... Obi-Wan took a much smaller bite than Dex's. Dooku is whispering into their ear that the Republic is behind it. The basilisk raised an eyebrow and paused. Do you think that as well? He finally asked, the hesitation likely for dramatic effect. His tone nearly caused Obi-Wan to choke on his cake. Of course not, he said, indignation creeping into his reply. No Republic action has been sanctioned to strike neutral systems. It was a serious statement, and yet Dex roared with laughter at it, his bottom right hand slapping the inside of the counter. <laughs> you don't believe that some Republic system would take this opportunity to weaken the Trade Federation? Somewhere far from the core, where there are fewer eyes? Your idealism is adorable. Dex grabbed a napkin from under the counter and balled it up. He tossed it over Obi-Wan's shoulder, hitting the cylinder-shaped music player against the far wall. It came to life, neon blues and reds lighting up, while a song made up of nothing but percussion instruments started. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. If the Trade Federation implodes, a lot of systems could step into that power vacuum. The point was clear, and any twinge of embarrassment disappeared quickly. Obi-Wan staying in the moment. I don't know if it matters now, honestly. 
They have just released a statement agreeing with the suggestion to bring the Chancellor to Cato Neimoidia. Dooku wants the Chancellor to go there. Sounds inadvisable. So I can see why the Separatists are pushing that button. Exactly. And Palpatine will go, unless I can convince them to accept a Jedi in his place. The Neimoidians. The hologram of the bombing fizzled as Dex poked it and swiped it aside to pull up data on the Trade Federation's purse worlds. Unique species. Their brains are wired for calculation. Everything is an instinctive risk assessment to them. Some call it cowardly. I think it's a strong survival instinct. Percentages and risk. I worked with some back in my... Black market days. Quick thinkers. I'd want them on my side. Picking a side means losing half your customers, Dave. Dex straightened up, his massive shoulders suddenly looking like mountains as he stood behind the bar. In most cases. So that's it. Appeal to their sense of risk. How do you recommend going about that? Obi-Wan lifted his plate. Bring them cake? They don't have a tidy relationship with the Republic. I'll tell you that. But not exactly with the Jedi either. If I recall, you were involved with some of that. Obi-Wan's voice dropped his sense of humor. Newt Gunray is considered an extremist by their government. Senator Lot Dodd. There you go again. You Jedi getting lost in the details. Obi-Wan tapped his fork against his plate. So, go with cake, then. Perhaps. Dex stretched out, upper arms reaching overhead while his lower arms clutched his belly. That's simple, really. Cato Neimoidia is the base of operations for the Trade Federation. Long memories, those Neimoidians. Make them forget. Obi-Wan waved his hand, prompting a laugh from Dex. I don't know if one Jedi is powerful enough to do that. Not forget. Show them that sending Palpatine might invite more trouble than it's worth. And show them that a Jedi isn't going to tear through them like a Naboo. Obi-Wan nodded, his mind reframing options to Dex's new direction. Remember, it's all numbers to them. It's what got them where they are. See, all the Republic types think it's their ideology. <laughs> Dex shook his head with a chuckle. <laughs> That's short-sighted. It's a strategy, not politics. Their neutrality is different from the neutrality your old friend preaches. Obi-Wan had known Dex a long time, going back to a youthful misadventure out in the unknown regions. And though they only saw each other occasionally, his old friend knew just how to needle him. This particular jab was so effective that a grin slipped through, and Obi-Wan raised an eyebrow in subtle acknowledgement. What, old friend? Oh, I don't know. Dresses better than you, striking eyes, Mandalorian royalty, 
used to call you Ben for some reason. Dex said with one of his hearty chuckles. That one. I hear she's quite the savvy politician. Obi-Wan wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of saying her name out loud, or the fact that the Duchess Satine of Mandalore was maintaining neutrality in the Clone Wars to ensure that her people didn't return to their previous warlike ways. Ah, the simple foolishness of impulsive youth. You keep telling yourself that, old buddy. I don't know. Why don't you ask her about neutrality instead of an old slug at a diner? While it's simple, Dex, I want a dessert. To prove the point, Obi-Wan stabbed two pieces of cake, one from each layer, then took them down in one bite. So, suppose I convinced him. The Republic sends a Jedi. He continued still chewing. Then what? I'd say it starts with the bombing. What was targeted? How was it done? And why? Obi-Wan clicked a button on the hollow projector to deactivate it, then tapped the data pad before sliding it over. I'm glad you asked. Dex took one glance at the numbers and lists on the pad, then pushed it back. No, no, no. See, you're looking at the wrong thing here. All you've got is facts. Another eyebrow rose, though this one had nothing to do with Satine Kreese. What's so bad about facts, Dex? Without context, facts are useless. The holographic images returned as Dex tapped the pad with his large finger, then started swiping through. You look at this and you see blast radius, casualty total, potential targets. What is the context? He asked, tapping his finger with every word of his question. Context is... Obi-Wan took in a breath. We know the Republic didn't do it. Dex started to retort, but Obi-Wan held up a finger. We assume... The Republic didn't do it. The Separatists say they didn't. The Trade Federation is neutral. Whoever did it is an extremist, regardless of side. Correct? Dex asked. His question came with a tangible weight, and in that moment, Obi-Wan considered that Dex would have made a really good teacher for a Padawan. Fair to assume and the Trade Federation considers Newt Gunray an extremist. Extremism only escalates when it's left unchecked. When you stay neutral in the face of it. The Basilisk gave a knowing grin. But what if you could turn the Trade Federation into an ally? Make neutrality seem like thee. Dex's chuckle echoed through the space. Risky thing to do. Obi-Wan nodded, the remaining food on his plate suddenly forgotten. Dex was right. Going to Cato Neimoidia, treating things strictly as an investigation to clear the Republic's name, that would only keep the Trade Federation neutral. And that neutrality would in itself enable the war to escalate. This catastrophe, Obi-Wan said, 
pointing to the looping simulation of the attack may also be an opportunity. Oh? Senator Lot Dodd acts as a firewall for the Trade Federation. Getting an audience with their leadership is nearly impossible, but this provides us a direct opportunity to speak to them. To be heard. Possibly. He leaned back on a stool, hand over his beard. Especially right now. While the war is young. Now you're getting it. So the first trick is to get them to accept a Jedi. And while that Jedi is earning their trust, perhaps talking them out of neutrality. Easy, right? Dax looked over his shoulder. Wanda! The waitress droid rolled to the kitchen window. You need something, hon? Dax took a bite from the remaining cake slices, then looked at the chrono on the wall. Brew a new pot of calf, please. We're gonna be a while. You got it, boss. Cream and sugar in yours, hon? Oh, no. Obi-Wan said. I prefer my calf. Straight black. Now, this part starts off with Obi-Wan in the Jedi archives. He is trying to figure out how to proceed with his task. How to convince the Nymordians to accept a Jedi over the Chancellor, but he was coming up with nothing. So he gets up the lead to find the answers elsewhere. I like how they brought up the other characters in this part, like Jakas Anu, who was the chief librarian of the Jedi Archives during the last years of the Galactic Republic. It shows the length that Mike went to learn the characters of this time period, and gives more depth to the overall story. Just like the visit to Obi-Wan's old friend Dexter Jester, the same character that we've seen in the Clone Wars movie, the forearm cook that told him about the Kaminoans. But in this part, we learn more about the characters from what he said he used to be an information broker before he owned the restaurant and was a cook there. And he was one of the best information brokers from how it is explained. Now Obi-Wan tells Dex the situation, and we get a good description of the Nymordians. Their brains were wired to calculation. Everything is about risk assessment to them, which can make it quite difficult to persuade them. They are going to look at the overall risk. Dex tells Obi-Wan that it is all about the numbers to them. Show them how it might cost more lives for Palpatine to be there. Then Dex refers to a certain Mandalorian female friend of Obi-Wan. Satine preaches neutrality to keep her people from reverting back to their savage ways, which is totally different than that of the Nymordians, because staying neutral for them is all about the credits. I also like the reference that Dex uses about her calling him Ben. This might be the reason that Obi-Wan went by Ben after the Revenge of the Sith, because he was giving honor to his one true love, the one person that he would have left the Jedi for. Dex was an old friend and knew what buttons to push. This would get Obi-Wan thinking outside of the box. After a little bit more time, Dex had him right where he wanted him. Thinking about the benefit of talking to the head of the Nymordians, this catastrophe could be used to benefit the Republic, a way to sway the Trade Federation to their side. And that's where this part came to an end. I really like the way that Dex thinks. Even Obi-Wan said that he would have made a great teacher. And since we are talking about people teaching, I think this would be a perfect time to get to the quote of this week. And it is brought to us from Joyce Brothers. She says, success is a state of mind. If you want to be successful, start thinking of yourself as a success. State of mind is half the battle. If you act like you're failing and broke, then you will be just that. You must act and think like you have already succeeded if you're going to succeed. It falls back to the laws of attraction. Negativity attracts more negativity. Positivity attracts more positivity. What's that old saying, fake it till you make it? 
The reason that it works is you are acting like you are successful. Success being a positive. You are putting that positive energy into the universe. So in return, the universe gives back that positivity, which opens the doors for you to become successful. Plus, you start to place yourself around other successful people, people that can help you with knowledge. And we all know that knowledge is power. The more information you can obtain about a goal, the easier it will be to achieve that goal. All of it is going to take hard work, perseverance, learning, and sacrifice. But if you do it right, it is very unlikely that you will fail. I have seen it with my own two eyes. I know a person, I won't say his name, but he had nothing, and I mean nothing at all. He started by hanging around successful people, wearing suits every day, reading the New York Times, learning about the business world. And through placing himself in the right places at the right time, he is now a millionaire. He could have hung around his broke friends, stayed working at the same dead-end job, but that wasn't where he wanted to be. So he changed his entire personality, changed who he was, the way he dressed, the way he talked, and now he's rich. It can be done. But like I said, it will take change and it will take sacrifice. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Join us next week for part six of this amazing story. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.